Today, I'm calling this word God, Israel, Paul, us. We saw in the first part of Acts 15, from verses 1 to 18, that was last week, how James interpreted the prophecy of Amos concerning the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David. That prophecy foretold the future history of Israel and also that there will be a restoration of the house of God's presence in the earth called the tabernacle of David, which is also called the church of the firstborn by Paul in Hebrews. That's us. We've come to Mount Zion, Paul says, to the church of the firstborn. And this would be a place of faith in Christ, in the liberty of the Spirit for all of mankind that would now be gathered to God from all over the world. That was the prophecy of Amos, gathering God's people from all <laughs> over the world. And there will be a gathering of that and then there will be the full salvation of Israel as Amos prophesies. Now, I want to comment now on the scriptures following that particular reading. I will come back to that one, but that brought us right through to verse 18. And now I'm going to read in Acts, I'm going to read in Acts chapter 15 from verse 19 through to verse 30. I'm going to make a commentary on it. And I, the scriptures are at the end of these notes, if you want to get them on the podcast or download them. After James had declared the prophecy of Amos concerning the tabernacle of David, he speaks on behalf of the Jewish elders and the, all the apostles, including Paul and Barnabas. He's speaking to the congregation and he summarises the decision of the council. And it was regarding salvation as being through grace and faith in Christ and that they should not make the Gentiles obey the Jewish laws. However, he made two exceptions, and they concerned the Jewish food laws. And it was only later on that Paul was able to teach and to guide both Jewish and Gentile Christians on how to honour God in these issues concerning food laws, because as Christians we don't obey or we're not under the, the Jewish food laws. But James left them in there. But Paul was able to explain that it was about loving one another. And it was about their faith and their conscience before God and about being sensitive to not offend the conscience of others who were weaker in their faith. Paul understood that they had a conscience and he understood they needed time to find grace to have the faith, for having the freedom and the liberty of what the tabernacle of David meant, a temporary place for the presence of God in the church until the Lord comes back. So we now read on from verse 30. We've had the conference. And Paul and Barnabas leave Jerusalem along with Silas and Judas and they report to the Christians in Antioch about the results of the council and the new freedom in the faith because of the prophecy 
the prophecy of Amos. Everybody in Antioch was happy with that. And it was decided that Judas and Silas, they were the newcomers, they were there in Jerusalem, Jewish Christians, they came back with Paul and Barnabas. And Judas and Silas, they stayed on in Antioch for a while and they strengthened the church there with powerful preaching. The decision was made for them to go back to Jerusalem. But Silas, he decided he was going to stay on in Antioch. Paul then suggests to Barnabas that they should go back to Turkey and visit the cities where they'd preached before and see how the new converts were going. Barnabas agreed with this and said that he wanted to take John Mark with him. But Paul disagreed because he thought that John Mark had let them down by deserting them in Pamphylia earlier on. Their heated contention over this was so great that they parted company from that time on. Barnabas took John Mark with him to Cyprus, while Paul took Silas with him to Syria and Cilicia. The next missionary journey to strengthen the churches. And the Antioch church blessed their journey. However, there's another account of this story which fills in some gaps because some, there are some things there that Paul wants to tell us about that Luke didn't write in the book of Acts at that very moment. Paul writes his personal account in the book of Galatians about his time at the Council of Jerusalem with James, which we've just read about. His account starts in Galatians chapter 2 from verse 1, right through to verse 11. And he wasn't impressed with some of the legalistic Christian Jews, the leaders there. Here's what he says. They tried to get us all tied up in their rules, like slaves in chains. But we didn't listen to them for a single moment. And the great leaders of the church who were there had nothing to add to what my preaching was, despite their reputations. He ends his account of the council meeting by saying, they shook hands with Barnabas and me and encouraged us to keep right on with our preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. He then continues from chapter 2, verse 12, recounting how that a little while after that council meeting, when he and Barnabas were back in Antioch, they're all back home now, Peter visits the Antioch church and seemed to join in, and he approved of the freedom of their faith, until later on when some Jewish Christian friends of James, he's the one that headed the council up, they came and visited the church in Antioch. Peter then stopped eating with the Gentile Christians, the food laws, for fear of what they would tell James because of his ruling about Christians having to obey Jewish food laws and be circumcised. And this behaviour of Peter highly offended Paul. It's interesting that this account of Paul's council meeting uh, and Peter's visit to Antioch and his offensive legalistic behaviour 
is not mentioned by Luke in the book of Acts. Perhaps he refrained from mentioning it out of respect for Peter. Although he does mention in Acts 15, where we read, the disagreement of Paul and Barnabas. We just read it. That was Luke telling us about that. But this is what Paul wrote about Peter's visit. And we read on now from in Galatians. When Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him publicly, speaking strongly against what he was doing, for it was very wrong. For when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who don't bother with circumcision and many other Jewish laws. But afterwards, when some Jewish friends of James came, he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore because he was afraid of what these Jewish Gentile legalists who ins insisted that circumcision was necessary for salvation would say. And all the other Jewish Christians and even Barnabas became hypocrites too, following Peter's example, though they certainly knew better. So Paul lays it on here. When I saw what was happening and that they weren't being honest about what they really believed and weren't following the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of all the others, though you are a Jew by birth, you've since discarded the Jewish law, so why, all of a sudden, are you trying to make these Gentiles obey them? You and I are Jews by birth, not mere Gentile sinners, and so we too have trusted Jesus Christ that we might be accepted by God because of faith and not because we've obeyed the Jewish laws, for no one will ever be saved by obeying them. I'm offending God if I start rebuilding the old system I've been destroying of trying to be saved by keeping Jewish laws, for it was through reading the scriptures that I came to realise that I could never find God's favour by trying and failing to obey the laws. I came to realise that acceptance with God comes by believing in Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, but I live, and it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So Paul's preaching and teaching allowed the Gentile world to hear the full gospel of grace and truth, not only regarding the freedom from the shackles of legalism and Jewish tradition, but to give us entrance into the life-giving spirit of Jesus. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. This is the faith we contend for, as the goal of our faith, the salvation and the healing of our souls and our living in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, before I finish today, I've got more to say about the prophecy of Amos. So I want to read that again, the one that James declared to the Jewish Christian leaders in Jerusalem concerning rebuilding the tabernacle of David. Acts 15, 16, this is from last time. I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I'll rebuild its ruins and set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. There's a prophecy for 
all of the world to come to Jesus. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, Christians, says the Lord, who reveals his plans made from the beginning. When James quotes Amos, he is saying that there will be a restoration of the house of God's presence in the earth called the tabernacle of David. This would be a place of faith in Christ, in the liberty of the Spirit, for all of mankind that would now be gathered to God from all over the world. He says that the rejection of God by Israel in the days of Amos is the same as their current rejection of Jesus. Mankind was now being welcomed to dwell with God in this new spiritual house called the Tabernacle of David. And that's what we're in now. Paul calls it the church of the firstborn. <laughs> You've come to Zion. Or God's people are there in the spiritual house called the Tabernacle of David until Jesus returns to the earth. There's no other tabernacle made until there's the one in heaven. <laughs> Jesus also said this prophetically about Israel and about us. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep which are not of this fold talking about us. I must also bring them in and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. That's John 10, 14. So Jesus saw the new flock, the tabernacle of David, and he also saw his flock, Israel, at some point being his one flock together. Beautiful prophecy of Jesus there. In the prophecy of Amos, and that's why I want to make this relevant to today, particularly this day, here and now, the prophecy of Amos goes on to speak about the scatterings of Israel as a nation and also speaks about a permanent, final regathering of Israel in verses 11 to 15 of the Amos prophecy in chapter 9. There were two scatterings since Amos. One was when Israel was taken captive in Babylon for 70 years. And then they were regathered, as recorded in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. That was the first scattering and the regathering. But Amos speaks about the final gathering. There was another scattering of Israel in AD 70, when the temple was destroyed, not long after James makes the declaration from Amos. Now, isn't it interesting? Amos preaches about the gathering of the Gentiles before the Lord returns. And Amos also says, also says and there will be a final regathering of Israel and they will stay in their land. He kind of leapfrogs one and comes to the end times one. Just like when Peter stood up and spoke about this is what the prophet Joel said, he speaks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that was happening there in front of his eyes. And then he leaps frog the rest of history and says, and then the 
terrible day of the Lord shall come and there will be earthquakes. He talks about the end times. So both of these prophecies in the book of Acts leapfrog the history of the 2,000 years and come to the end point. And that's what Amos does. He comes to the end point. They'll all come back and Israel will be there forever. So Israel will not be scattered but be gathered again a second time. And the final regathering actually occurred in 1948. Let's read the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 11, verse 11. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. So the first time was Babylon. And then he's saying, there will be a second time which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. There's your two regatherings. So between Amos and Isaiah, they put the picture together for us. The nation of Israel was re-established in 1948 with Jews being drawn back to Israel from all over the world, from the islands to the end of the earth. And it's remained and prospered miraculously against impossible odds. And it's there to stay until Jesus returns. That's the prophetic word of God. We're witnessing this phenomenon at this moment. And as uncomfortable as it is to see Israel in Old Testament warfare again, that's the nations. However, I pray today that Hamas will return the hostages. And I pray that innocent lives will be spared on both sides. But I pray particularly for Israel, the prayer of Paul's from Romans 9, that all Israel will come to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. O daughters of Zion, Oh, Abraham's sons, hear the words of your father, hear his promise of love. I will make you a blessing, so count the stars if you can.
Scarlet, they'll be. 